Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KMOX, at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you on our conversation about local innovation. And we're going to start off the show by talking about workforce development. If you, maybe you've got kids wondering how do we get into STEM careers, get into this technology ecosystem in St. Louis, a lot of jobs available. We'll find out how Harris-Stowe State University is partnering with BioSTL to get some programs and get wider access out there. Yeah, and speaking of access, we're, we're also going to talk to the folks at Mission Control, a local St. Louis-based startup focusing on esports, mostly getting those esports rec leagues, and we'll talk to them about what the, that really means, online and connected, especially in the midst of this pandemic where you can't go out and Maybe join your kickball league or bowling league or softball league. Esports leagues are a way to stay connected and stay active. Esports leagues. Is, is this like the intramural version? I'm not ready to go I, pro yet, so I'm just doing it for fun? Just doing it for fun. You know, I'm not Tony Hawk. I won't compete in the X Games, <laughs> but maybe I can uh, do some online skating. Is there an X Games for esports? I wonder. That, we should check that out. I haven't seen it on TV, but then again, I haven't checked out Twitch. There's probably it's probably up there, I'm sure. And we're going to finish so. out by uh, taking it from the eSports arena to the real pitch, and we're going to get the details on reaction to St. Louis's new major league soccer team, St. Louis City SC, some of the innovative aspects of their branding, and also uh, the overwhelming response that uh, well, we'll just say it crashed their website. <laughs> yeah, so a full show this week. Stick around. We'll jump right into it. Nothing Impossible presented by BioSTL. King OX at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on King OX. Welcome back indeed. Michael Calhoun with you along with... Travis Sheridan, and we are joined by Ben Johnson, he's BioSTL's Vice President of Programs, and Freddie Wheels, uh, Harris-Stowe State University Assistant Vice President for STEM Initiatives. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Good morning. My pleasure to be here. So, you know, we, we've talked on this program a number of times about STEM, but there's an interesting partnership that uh, has been growing over time between BioSTL and Harris-Stowe State University. Uh, ben or Freddie, uh, do one of you want to tell us about that partnership and how it's evolving? 
yeah, this is uh, this is Ben Johnson at BioSTL. I'm happy to give a little bit of background and context, and then turn it over to to Freddie. Uh, and uh, really want to highlight uh, some of the, the growth Harris Stowe has seen in their STEM programs and, and their engagement in the innovation community recently. So, for BioSTL, uh, this is a collaboration that uh, dates back a, a number of years. You know, our mission is to transform St. Louis's economy through innovation and entrepreneurship, particularly our strengths in the medical and plant sciences. And so um, from our founding in 2001 and helping build the innovation community, um, our founders and, and leaders helping build things like Cortex and venture capital firms and, and our entrepreneur support uh, and investment subsidiary, the biogenerator, um, it's been important uh to ensure that as we grow opportunities, new economic opportunity in the region, um, that's accessible to everyone. And so we really started in earnest in 2008 when our founder, Dr. Bill Danforth, the former chancellor at Washington University, uh, convened six CEOs, including um, the former president of Harris-Stowe, Dr. Henry Givens. Um, and you know, since that time, it's been a continuous learning process, um, understanding what diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, mean. Um, you know, understanding that it's necessary to have programs and direct, immediate impact, but insufficient if we also aren't collaborating to address systems and, and eventually policies. And and Harris Stowe is is a central partner in all of that, whether that's our own direct support of entrepreneurs uh, of color through our inclusion initiative. Um, we launched the St. Louis Equity and Entrepreneurship Collaborative uh, with nearly 20 other entrepreneur support organizations at Harris-Stowe. Um, Harris-Stowe is a key founding partner in STEM STL, a regional uh, initiative and in collaboration to help improve the region's cradle-to-career STEM pipeline. So they've long been a partner, and, and we're excited about uh, the progress that uh, the Harris Stowe is making related to STEM and, and future collaboration. So I'll uh, kick it over to, to Freddie, and he can describe a little more in-depth uh, what Harris Stowe is working toward. Yes, you know, as a public uh, institution of higher education, it is uh, critically vital that we build good public-private par- uh, partnerships with organizations, um, not only across uh, St. Louis, but in St. Louis and beyond. And we have done that uh, with BioSEL, and it, it helps us because as we look to produce, you know, graduates and prepare them for the workforce, uh, BioSEL has come to the table, been a good partner um, to the university in, in helping us do just that, prepare our students to enter the workforce and um, and, and, and be viable for jobs in, in the community. You know, and, and one thing about uh, Harris Stowe that, you know, I just have to have to say here is that, you know, for like 163 years, this institution has produced good quality graduates who have become stewards of the St. Louis community. And um, it, it's happened under uh, on the foundation of, of where we started out as a teacher's college. But this institution has transformed and evolved on that good quality foundation to uh, build a good heavy fa- framework in, in STEM. And that framework has um, come to us starting about 2010. And, you know, we started to build still uh, STEM, um, STEM degrees. You know, right now we have uh, over 50 programs in STEM and, you know, 447 students um, uh, in, in STEM as of last year, 2019. So we've done a wonderful job in making the transformation, but, overall is to make sure that we continue to 
produce good quality people for the St. Louis community. I, I do have a follow-up um, for both uh, Ben and Freddie. Uh, it, it's showing, I, I've heard that, you know, math and biology programs are now two of the largest declared majors on campus. Uh, where are you seeing your students, your graduates go? Where are they getting employed after, uh, after completing those, those degrees? Right. And, and being that we, we largely service the St. Louis community, uh, a lot of our students are staying here, staying put in St. Louis uh, and, and going to the STEM force in St. Louis um, beyond our community as well, just in, throughout the region. And uh, Harrisville, I think, it is, is very important to the STEM workforce uh, career for the state of Missouri. So as the, as the state looks to continue to strengthen its uh, STEM workforce and also diversify it, uh, that's where Harrisville is, is very critical in, in helping uh, create a strong pipeline of diverse candidates that are uh, African-American students that, that leave us and then go into places like the BioSTLs, like the Millport Sigmas, the, the Bayers of the world, you know, the, the companies that are grounded here in St. Louis. Uh, we we want to produce good people for them, and we want to continue to not only uh, produce that quality for for those companies, but we want to create quality leaders um, for for this community as well. So uh, we we extend our people not only just in St. Louis. We, we're moving students across the country. Dr. Wills, this is an, a really interesting, fascinating uh, statistic. Is uh, apparently a decade ago at Harrisville there were no STEM majors or programs, and today. I guess math and biology are the two largest majors on campus. Exactly. Yeah, like, you know, now, you know, as overall, the, you were about 1,700 uh, some odd students at Harrisville. And like I said, you know, in previously academic year, about 440 or so of our students were STEM majors. And 86% of those students are, are African American students, which is, is, is great for, for not only us, it's great for St. Louis, and it's great for great for the state. So this this uh, trajectory that we've been on has been fast-paced, but it's uh, given Harris-Stowe uh, ability to do a couple things for the St. Louis region. It, it's given us the ability to help improve economic uh, status of those uh, that come to our institution uh, from the different parts of the St. Louis area. You know, we, we deal with a high population of low socioeconomic uh, students, but what we do is that we develop uh, the students and we, we produce them and we make sure that when they leave Harrisville, uh, they are ready and they are ready to enter the workforce and, uh, and help companies diversify their, um, their, their, their organizations. I would, I would echo that. We've seen, you know, as, as Dr. Wills referenced, uh, Harris Stowe grow up alongside with the innovation community here in St. Louis in recent years and, you know, an increasing recognition across the region that talent, um, as much as physical facilities and capital are, are necessary, uh, they're insufficient without the talent to drive uh, companies, whether that's startups or academic labs or our Fortune 500 companies. And Harris-Stowe has been very successful at securing National Science Foundation awards and others uh, to help start these programs. And uh, BioSTL has been excited in the last couple of years to partner with Harris-Stowe to secure additional resources, uh, most recently uh, a $2.25 million National Science Foundation grant to ensure uh, accelerated graduation rates and connections to experiential learning, internships and, and externships 
for those students that they've been very successful at recruiting into STEM majors. Yes. Well, if, yeah, uh, ben, you mentioned you mentioned startups, uh, research laboratories, and Fortune 500s. Uh, I can't help but you know make the connection that all three of those types of companies are located just down the street in Cortex, and with BioSTL's new presence there and the close proximity of Harris-Stowe State University. What type of synergies are you seeing uh, to be able to you know really leverage all those assets? Well, we're, we're, we're seeing um, a lot of them, and, and uh, we, we had some things developed just, just this summer where we partnered with BioSTL to um, introduce a STEM entrepreneurship boot camp uh, for our students. We focused on junior and senior level STEM students, and we wanted to uh, help our students understand the entrepreneurial mindset and wanted to make sure that they uh, knew concepts about things like seed funding um, in understanding how to write business plans, how to develop a pitch uh, for entrepreneurship uh, competition that, that if they have an idea, uh, that they have the ability to not only take that idea from their, their minds, but to bring it out and, and take it to commercialization. So it's very important for us as, as we continue um, in this STEM space that we not only focus on the academics, we also focus on workforce development and, and making sure that our students are ready uh, to go in multiple directions once they graduate from the institution. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly correct. And, and as you referenced in the question, the proximity to Cortex uh, is certainly crucial. You know, I think Harris-Stowe is uniquely positioned uh, both with its student population and its geography in the region uh, with you know, continuing resurgence in the Central Corridor, whether that's the adjacency to Cortex um, or beyond the biosciences, Harris-Stowe's connections to the new geofutures, geospatial industry development, um, the the, proc the geographic proximity, as well as, as Dr. Wills described, the continued momentum of STEM programs and the quality of students that are being trained, I think will serve as, as a foundation for further growth of companies, whether that's in Cortex, uh, around NGA, the Geospatial Center, or you know, even downtown with T-Rex and beyond. Dr. Wills, I, I couldn't help but notice, I think I was driving a couple of weeks ago and I saw a banner somewhere around Compton and Lindell for uh, in, uh, Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Harris-Stowe State University. Can you tell us a little bit more about what, what the intention is behind that? Well, the intention behind that is, is, is exactly what it says, innovation, entrepreneurship. And we want to make sure that people in the African-American community here in St. Louis and, and also beyond have the ability to build their own companies if that's, that's their desire. Um, there's a dearth of African-American-owned companies um, not only here in St. Louis, but across across the country. And our intent with our intent with that is that we want to make sure that we uh, position our students for graduating and saying that, oh, I want to start a company, and, and I want to start that company in STEM as well. Um, so not only just being able to start a company, but have a, a good focus on STEM, uh, in other areas as well when, when they look to start that company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's around that center that, that BioSTL has been uh, increasingly excited to, to partner with Harris-Stowe um, to understand the unique role that it can play 
in St. Louis's entrepreneurship ecosystem. Part of the National Science Foundation grant that I referenced before is about embedding entrepreneurial mindset in the training of students, in the culture of campus, um, and then the, the development of this new center. And so, um, you know, sort of fresh news, uh, finalizing ink drying as we speak. Um, you know, uh, Harris Stowe has hired um, a, a new full-time staff to help lead some of that work forward. Um, and in increasing our collaboration in BioSTL, um, we'll be providing a loaned executive, uh, Dr. Cheryl Watkins-Moore, who has been the director of our inclusion initiative, formerly an entrepreneur in residence with the biogenerator and entrepreneur herself and a long industry career. Um, we'll be providing a portion of her time to work alongside the new staff at Harris Stowe and Dr. Wheels as a senior advisor for innovation and entrepreneurship to help flush out, you know, what are um, the regional gaps and demands for supporting entrepreneurs of color, particularly from uh, Black and Latinx communities, and uh, how can Harris Stowe build an asset that is um, an asset to the St. Louis ecosystem, but even an asset beyond, an asset across the national HBCU, historically black college community, um, and really a magnet uh, for making St. Louis a center for black entrepreneurship and innovation. Yes. I just want to echo that as well, you know, because as I said before, you know, Harris Hill State University for about 163 years have been here creating those tours for the community. And, and as we, we've developed uh, and then expanded and advanced our degree fields into STEM, we also have to continue to look at how can we create wealth for people in the African-American community. And one way of doing that is helping them become their own business owners. Um, so the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship is key to that to that area in our partnership in BioSTL. is definitely one that is helping us to um, make sure that we have the right framework for this and uh, also making sure that we have a quality product once we are uh, near the finish line of, of launching this center as well. As we talk about these STEM industries, the demand for these jobs we keep hearing over and over is so huge that they're so plentiful that it's a good career path to go into. But uh, I'm wondering what the the barrier to entry is, uh, especially in terms of if you're getting into some of these coding type careers, you've got to have math skills. How hard is it to break into the skills for some of these careers? Well, the difficult thing for to break into these um, skills is just having the right set of uh, tools, right? Have the right set of skills uh, for our students. And what we've done in the process of building a quality STEM program is, is we've done just that. We, we've, we've given our students the right set of uh, tools in the bi- biology industry. We've given them the right set of tools in the math industry, and we are definitely working to make sure that we continue to expand uh, our efforts not only into those spaces because we're also looking at in the future making sure that we have a, a quality computer science program that is going to help our students in the tech world as well. So uh, we have to just continue to build quality STEM programs that are going to give our students a good degree um, that's reputable uh, from a, a national HBCU institutional in Harrisville State University and make sure that we are also building um, good partnerships with folks like the BioSTLs of the world and other uh, corporate companies and nonprofits that we have places to send our students to once we have produced them and graduate them. 
Well, Ben Johnson, the VP of Programs for BioSTL, and Dr. Freddie Wills, the Harris Stowe State University Assistant VP for STEM Initiatives. Thank you both so much for the time and the information. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for having us, for uh, for highlighting uh, some of the excellent work that's going on at, at Harris Stowe, and we look forward to further collaboration with them and, and partners across the region to uh, to build the, the talent space here in St. Louis and help our uh, our companies thrive. Yeah, and I thank you all as well for definitely bringing us to the table to shed some light on the great work that we're doing at Harrisville State University and uh, also just our students in general. Uh, so it's, this is a wonderful partnership. We look forward to continuing it, and um, it's going to bring uh, great fruits to us and our students uh, in the future. Dr. Wills, where can people go to get more information on the STEM majors and other programs at Harris-Stowe? You can always go to our website, which is www.hssu.com. You can get information there. And then people can also reach out to us via email and via phone as well. We have the Office of STEM Initiatives at the university where we work to support our students and also support future students that want to engage with Harris State University as well. And Ben, all of the different ways that BioSTL is involved in uh, generating workforce development initiatives in St. Louis, where can people go to get up to speed on those? Yeah, you can find us uh, online at BioSTL, B-I-O-S-T-L dot org, and on all of your social media channels uh, at BioSTL. All right, Ben and Freddie, thank you again so much. Thank you very much for having us. Yes, thank you very much. And stay tuned. More Nothing Impossible presented by BioSTL coming up after this on KMOX. KMOX at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Well, as we talk about changing times and new technologies, Travis, I think, well, in the last few years, esports have certainly burst onto the scene, but especially in the last few months, I think, uh, as people have been stuck inside and real sports have been trying to get off the ground, uh, esports probably gaining even more in prominence. Yeah, and especially here in St. Louis, I mean, we've talked on the show a couple of times about the successful esports programs out at Maryville University, uh, and you know, we probably all grew up with our parents saying. What value is there in video games? Come on, go outside and play. Well, guess what? There's value in video games and playing them. Yeah, and let's find out about a St. Louis startup that's getting into this business. We've got Austin Smith, who's founder and CEO of Mission Control, and Byron Abrig, who's co-founder and COO of this St. Louis startup. Thank you both so much for calling in. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. So first of all, just an introduction. What is Mission Control? What do you do? Sure. Mission Control is a B2B SaaS platform for rec league esports. Uh, what that means is we're a sports league management software, just like some of you might use for uh, your kids' sports leagues, like Sports Engine or Stack Sports or Team Snap, uh, except we just focus on leagues that are for video games, so competitive video gaming, which is esports. Um, so if you instead of joining the summer softball league on Tuesday nights, you can use our platform to join a summer FIFA league or summer Fortnite league instead. 
Well, and you both have uh, connections to uh, Stadia Ventures and uh, some of the work that's been done there. Michael, we've had Stadia Ventures on the oh, on the yeah. show a number of times. Uh, local, uh, now global, but started here in St. Louis. Uh, accelerator and and investment uh, group that invests in sports related technologies. Uh, Tell us about you know sports tech a little bit from your perspective, uh, Byron and Austin. What what is what's been the growth there? Absolutely, Byron. Why don't you go ahead and, and take a take a stab at that? Sure. So uh, great question. So Austin and I uh, were very fortunate to, uh, to to work with Stadia when we were uh, in university and then after we graduated. And from our time at Stadia, we learned so much uh, about sports tech and and the emerging industry that, that was esports. Um, one of the things that we saw so frequently uh, with startups in sports tech was their interest in um, focusing on uh, working, uh, appealing to the pros. Um, there's such appeal of trying to you know, sell to the Dallas Cowboys or the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, but there's really so much opportunity that exists below that sphere. Um, that was one of the things that drew us to, to start Mission Control was, was focusing on um, the lower tiers uh, in sports esports uh, technology. Uh, but I think some of the things that, that we really saw emerging and you continue to see uh, with with sports tech, um, one of the things around streaming uh, in particular, streaming and the interactive experience while you're watching games. Um, as sports has tried to get back to some semblance of normalcy and you now no longer have fans in the audience, how can you begin to provide a more premium experience for individuals that are watching at home on their TVs or on their phones, um, a similar type of interactivity that you may have while watching esports, um, how can we begin to provide that experience with sports tech as well? Something that we're really starting to see, and we're seeing a ton while we were at Stadia, and I think we'll only continue to grow. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you a really weird story, but back when when I was a kid with my basic Nintendo. Uh, I used to get the game, we had the game Monopoly, and I would set it up computer versus computer, like I wouldn't even play it. I would just set it up, and then my friends and I would bet on who was going to, which which little token was going to win the game. Uh, and that's, you know, I won't age myself, but first Nintendo, that was a long time ago. At least it wasn't like a, an Atari 2600 when I was doing it. Uh, <laughs> but But this idea of watching, like, video games as entertainment, watching people play esports. Uh, talk a little bit about how that has evolved into a major industry now. You know, I think you, you really touched on it. You know, what, what watching video games was like 20, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was going to the local arcade and looking over your buddy's shoulder and watching them, you know, beat Donkey Kong or, you know, Space Invaders or, or what have you. And that has only continued to just evolve over time um, to now be at the point where, you know, you can hop on your phone and you see kids nowadays watching, you know, their favorite streamers more than they're watching traditional sports. Um, I think part of the, the appeal is, is really not all that different from the appeal that you see in watching an NBA game. You know, you aspire as a kid to, you know, you're pretending to be Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or LeBron James in your backyard. You're now just seeing the exact same type of thing uh, with Fortnite or Call of Duty. You know, it's, it's fun to watch someone that has perfected an activity um, like basketball or like Call of Duty. Um, and, you know, now with just the prevalence of technology, Kids now are just aspiring to be be a, a pro or a streamer uh, like the people they watch on YouTube instead of Michael Jordan back in the day. 
What have you seen specifically with the pandemic? You know, like Travis and I were talking uh, on a recent show about telehealth and how it had existed. It had been pushed by uh, by companies. A lot of startups uh, that are pretty well known had already you know founded uh, based on that uh, new technology. But widespread adoption hadn't necessarily taken place until the pandemic, uh, and it kind of forced people to then go see their general practitioner or, or whomever via uh, you know zoom on their phone instead of going to the office have you seen the pandemic um move adoption of this forward maybe faster than you would have otherwise michael i think that's a it's a great question and i think um th- there's two things at play here i mean one is that esports was a very popular you know and, and is a very popular thing before the pandemic so this our company started a year and a half ago we weren't planning on there being something like this that forces everybody to have, um, you know, this digital community rather than physical community at its crazy time like this. Um, so we were having success before this. And the reason is because of the technology in gaming and specifically for internet connectivity and the games being able to be more connected than ever before. Um, it, it's been a lot easier to have something like recreational gaming and competitive gaming. So that was already accelerating. Um, however, what the pandemic made necessary was the idea that people still need to lean on each other, especially during a hard time like now. And if you can't do it physically, well, then you have to do it digitally. And what we do is gather and grow communities. That is our main purpose of this business. And, and we just happen to use Rec League Esports as a way to grow these communities and gather these communities. And um, for that, a lot of our customers, that's exactly the value that we're bringing to them right now. Whether it's a park and rec department or a college intramural department, they're trying to gr- connect people in their community to make this time a little less crazy, a little more normal. And that happens to be what we do. So we've seen it accelerated, but I don't think it's changed the path of this business. It's just made us run a little bit faster. Well, speaking of acceleration, it's been a pretty busy and exciting couple months for you all. Uh, tell us about, you brought on some new partners. Uh, you're hired, you've hired some, some great folks. You're, out, you're also recruiting. You've raised some money. Tell us about the last few months for uh, Mission Control. Yeah, it's been quite, <laughs> quite the couple of months. Uh, in the last couple of months, I mean, earlier this year, we were a pre-revenue company. We turned on the, the revenue profits earlier this year. We grew from 35 customers in, in early February to over 170 now. In that time, we've raised a seed round, $1.75 million from a couple of great Midwest investors. We've hired, uh, in the first part of this year, a CRO who used to work at Complexity Gaming, which is a pro esports team owned by Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we've hired a great CTO. Uh, with plenty of experience and are continuing to expand the team. We've got a lot of great St. Louis young talent on the team and are really excited for the the growth from here. We signed some great partnerships with Special Olympics, um, GameStop, and Stack Sports, which is a major uh, league manager provider, and there's a lot of growth on the horizon. So from here, it's it's just really harnessing the the market opportunity that we have, putting together this great team, and then just kind of hustling. Let me, let me jump in with a follow-up. Uh, you mentioned Special Olympics, and Michael and I talk a lot on the show about inclusion and accessibility. What role do esports play when it comes to accessibility, uh, especially for uh, you know, those with maybe some uh, physical challenges? Well, that's one of the most exciting parts about esports, at least to, to me. Is a lot of people think of esports or video gaming being as the, that character named Warlock from live free or die hard you know some some 
loner in a basement with you know overgrown hair and Cheeto, you know, puff Cheeto stuff on his on his uh, cheeks. Like that is not necessarily what gaming is. What gaming is 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 spending time with friends and playing something fun like Mario Kart or, or a game that brings people together. I mean, the, the biggest stat here for me is 164 million people in the United States who play video games. 103 million of these play video games with others, and that's with others an average of eight hours a week. Hmm. Gaming is a massive community uh, experience, and even more so, 48% of the people on our platform have not interacted with their community rec before, other than this esports experience. So my point here on all this is that it's incredibly accessible. Gaming can invite so many people in because of the very large array of interests that it goes across, the different genres, whether it's, you know, a shooter game or a sports game or a fantasy game. That can interest a lot of different amount of people. And the abilities, you don't have to be, you know, the tallest person in the room or the strongest person in the room. You just have to be someone who enjoys this genre, this fantasy, this experience. And that's why it's so widely accessible and why it's one of the you know biggest things in the States and growing quickly. One thing that I would add on that is you're also starting to see the publishers themselves focus on uh, greater accessibility within games, um, whether uh, it's uh, additional auditory or, or visual enhancements or changes um, so that, you know, individuals with different abilities have the ability to have the same type of experience that others may have in a game. You have uh, game developers or, or the console developers like Microsoft who, you know, have focused on building accessible controllers um, gaming and esports really have the opportunity to democratize competition and provide anyone uh, of any ability the opportunity to have that same type of experience of being a part of a team of competing in a rec league. Um, it just may be uh, from the comfort of their home instead of a local basketball court or soccer field. Well, to wrap things up, I want to ask about St. Louis and the impact uh, that uh, being located here has had on the growth of the company. You've got a great watermark with the St. Louis logo at the bottom of your website. Austin, I know you and I have run into each other at SLU, entrepreneurialism events. Talk about how growing this startup in St. Louis specifically, as opposed to some other cities that may come to mind. Uh, Why here and how's it been? Well, I mean, the... The, the why here question is, you know, the classic born and raised in St. Louis answer, but then why, why stay here, I think, is one of the biggest arguments uh, or biggest things to talk about. And what Byron and I met at St. Louis University and what St. Louis University folk did to us is really grow our passion for the city and entrepreneurship in the city. And that was the start for us, but they are aided by so many great support organizations in the city, whether it's I-10 or BioSTL or... Um, Venture Cafe, there's a hunger in the city that extends beyond, hey, let's help a startup so we can invest and make some money. What it gets down to is, let's build this city by building the economy, growing the wealth of the people in this city, creating jobs, and building a community that everybody wants to live in. And that is what drives me and makes it so exciting, because the entire city backs it you know backs a small startup you know we had six people eight people working on our company and the entire city is excited to back us because they can see the potential of growing the wealth the economy creating jobs in this city and that's what excites me because i feel like there's a great future um of this city and it's because of the great support organizations the universities and everybody on board that wants to champion growing the city through creating uh, great companies and great communities 
All right. Well, Byron and Austin, thank you so much for uh, taking some time and let, uh, help, helping us catch up with what's going on with, with you and Mission Control. For those of you out there that uh, have a, a, a league, a rec league, especially a virtual rec league around gaming, check out missioncontrol.gg, uh, missioncontrol.gg, and uh, you know, support local startups and help your community continue to thrive online. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. And stick around for more Nothing Impossible right after this, presented by BioSTL. King OX at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on King OX. Well, this is new coming to St. Louis. St. Louis City SC. That's the Major League Soccer team. We learned the identity, the brand, the crest, the logo, the colors. A little bit of debate over whether it's pink or red or reddish pink. But we did learn all the details about St. Louis City SC this week. What's the reaction, Ben? Here's team owner Carolyn Kindle betts Also talked with chief brand architect Lee Broughton. First of all, Carolyn, let me just ask, now that the name is out there, of course, the peanut gallery weighs in and reaction is all over the place. So what are your thoughts about how St. Louis has reacted to the name? Well, uh, first of all, good morning and um, thank you for having us. No, I mean, I honestly, I, I think people reacted pretty well. I mean, you, we knew going in that there was always going to be somebody that was going to have an opinion that didn't necessarily agree with ours. So we were prepared for that. I, I will say, I think I was surprised at how many people loved the colors. Um, it seems that, you know, people are just so excited that we have different colors and um, the crest. I mean, people loved the crest. So I would tell you that um, I think everybody was super excited and it far exceeded uh, my expectations for sure. And Carolyn and Lee Broughton, the chief brand architect, joining us. And, you know, right now, when, when we say the word city, it could have a different connotation depending on where you're from, who you are. It's used to describe a political boundary. Some people may have a negative connotation with the word. But in a decade, are you hoping that the word city and the feeling uh, when we hear that word will be more along the lines of when we hear the Cardinals, the Blues, those proper names? Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. I think that um, city is actually derived from the word citizen. So it's actually about the residents in the region and the city being the heartbeat of that region. And we really feel that, that we have an ambition as a sports team to really be a part of the lifeblood of the community. And it's something that the, um, the, the residents are going to be able to really get behind, rally behind, feel as part of their... Um, identity and it's kind of where you get the the inspiration from the St. Louis flag that the modernization of the colors as Carolyn mentioned has been really well embraced and the geographical landmarks that are a part of the crest in an abstracted way I think are all real salutes to um, you know a phenomenal region that is um, aspiring for growth and cultural renaissance so we think in 10 years time you'll look back and uh, we'll definitely say that the, that the football club, the soccer team, was a part of that. Carolyn and Lee, I, I love the fact that you call it a soccer club. That's definitely American. But I also like what you explained yesterday in there's a double meaning to that SC, isn't there? Yes, that, that absolutely is. Um, you know, I mean, essentially, St. Louis has had soccer in America longer than even the MLS has been around. And so, you know, it goes back to the, the early 1900s. 
Um, in the 1950s, there was a big St. Louis contingent on the American team that beat the Brits. And then I think there's been a St. Louis influence on the American team for decades um, since, too. So we've been playing the beautiful game for longer than um, a lot of the other cities that we will be um, looking forward to competing with in 2023. So America's first soccer capital is the double entendre of SC. All right, real quick question, because when people saw the the logo, they were like, is it pink? Is it red? What is the official name of that color? So the official name is City Red, but I asked Lee to kind of find a little bit of a pinkish tone to it so that I can still wear all of my pink dresses and technically (laughs) be in the City Red band. Yeah, we've been enjoying a little bit of banter with, with the fans because they're saying, why don't you just own pink? And there is actually a technical reason why it is in the red palette, because it is, if, if it's going to be our home color, it has to be a dark. So whilst it is a pinky hue, because we had one job to do and make sure that we were able to pick Carolyn's favorite color, um, the fact of the matter is, is it, it's more red than it is pink, even though um, we're really proud of the, the fuchsia-esque-ness of it. People detail-oriented in St. Louis, I saw some on social media asking for the Pantone number for the color so they could do their own analysis. Uh, Carolyn, I'm wondering about the merchandise sales. It looked like yesterday the website may have gone down for a little bit due to all of the demand. A lot of people going to the MLS site to pick up some merch. Did you see a lot of sales on this first day? We did. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was, I was kind of choking with Lee. You know, when my grandfather started Enterprise, he would let the phone ring to think that he was busy. And so the, the equivalent to that is the, I need the site to crash because that many people were going to it. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously we didn't want that to happen, but I, I think that we were so excited that there was that much excitement. Um, I was getting text messages to like, do you need to have somebody fix your website? So as far as actual sales, I don't think we've had numbers come in yet. Um, But, you know, nothing makes you happier when your friends are like, I just bought three scarves or I bought my license plate cover. So um, I I think we were very surprised, overwhelmed, um, certainly appreciative of all the people trying to buy merchandise. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Nothing Impossible presented by BioSTL. More innovation talk next week on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 